Yo, yo, what is up and what is good, my people? Before I get into the intro, I want to mention the mastery program. Uh, when this podcast goes out, there will be one week left until it starts. It is a program with both Joey and I. Uh, we put together our marketing, sales, performance, online business knowledge all into one. It's the only thing you need, and we guarantee results. So if you want to learn more, go to join.modernmastery.co slash program, or you can click the link in the show notes and in this episode i have steven <laughs> i ended up fucking up his name uh, at the start of the podcast but his name is steven timoney he is the founder of success theory where he helps you go from chaos to clarity through self-leadership and man the way that he got to this point of self-leadership is a pretty fucking great story. He went from partying hard in his 20s, just going to like techno and drum and bass shows. If there was a party there, he was there. But when the time that his 30th birthday came around, everything changed and we dive deep into that. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we get into it, let's talk about Modern Mastery HQ. MMHQ is a tight-knit community of creators, coaches, freelancers, and any other ambitious individuals that want to grow themselves and their businesses. You get to steal the proven systems, strategies, and processes from myself, a marketing consultant, and Joey, a performance consultant to build a predictable and sustainable income source as an online entrepreneur through both tangible and intangible skills. This success is a result of becoming a high-value individual. This is what our teachings help you achieve. The information inside is responsible for making members tens of thousands of dollars and drastically improving their quality of life. From monthly trainings, weekly action articles, 30-day habit challenges, monthly live calls, real-time help, and much more, it is the all-in-one solution for growing yourself and your business. As an entrepreneur, your business growth relies on your personal growth. In Modern Mastery HQ, we nearly force both of those. If you absorb the information and do what we say, it is near impossible to fail. Our processes are time-tested and proven, and we hold nothing back. So if you want to join the only platform you need to master your mind, body, and spirit while growing a 5 to 10k a month online business, go to join.modernmastery.co to see if you're a good fit. That is join.modernmastery.co. Oh. And last but not least, I have three favors to ask that cost a whopping $0 to do. Number one, subscribe or follow depending on what platform you're listening to this podcast on. Favor number two, tell us what you thought about this podcast episode on Twitter or Instagram at Modern Mastery HQ, or you can at me at the Dan Co or at Joey at Cypreneur. And favor number three, Enjoy this episode of the Modern Mastery Podcast. Brother Stefan, what is up, man? How are I'm, you? I'm good. I'm good. good. It, would have, it would have been a better start if you called me Steven, but that that's that's okay. Fuck, is it really Steven? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Dude, we've been we <laughs> we've been in contact for like two years and I thought it was Stefan the whole time because Oh, maybe it's so I, I used to have like a childhood friend whose dad's name was Stefan, but it was S-T-E-F-A-N. Yeah. So, well, Stephen, nice to meet you. Uh, nice finally. to meet you too. <laughs> Is it Daniel? <laughs> yeah, it's Daniel. Uh, but yeah, man, um, I'm very excited to have you here. 
for those that don't know and didn't listen to the intro, uh, Stefan and I, fuck, Stephen and I have <laughs> known each other <laughs> for a while. We've been growing on Twitter. Uh, we've worked together a few times, and I'm just very excited to have him here. So the first question that I ask everyone, you may have seen this on Twitter because it's the main thing that we promote, but what is your life philosophy in one sentence? Oh, okay. I have a couple, <laughs> but my, my my main one, which is derived from Stoicism, is study, practice, teach. Yes. I knew that one. I knew that yeah. one, and that's something I actually want to dive into. So that's perfect. But uh, so, yeah, what is study, practice, teach? Like, explain it to the people that don't understand, because that's a huge proponent of my life, too. It, I mean, that's kind of what has built our businesses as of today. And that's how other people can build their businesses. So if you could explain that to the listeners, how would you explain it? Uh, I mean, it, it sounds pretty straightforward, but it, it sort of comes from uh, sort of the idea behind stoicism is, is to sort of the, the study and the practice uh, and then to kind of do. And then I kind of, as, as I was reading stoicism and as I was sort of like deciphering it into my own language of how, how can I use this ancient philosophy? How can I use these 2000 plus year old ideas, 3000 year old ideas and actually make them uh, applicable for me is as I was researching it i came across this idea of study and practice and i like yeah because like those who practice more uh, you know in the, in the gym bleed less in war i think that's an old spartan quote it's not quite stoicism but it comes from the sort of greek philosophy uh, and i stumbled across like reading uh it was actually reading uh, one of ryan holiday's books where he talked about this sort of study and practice and i and then i just added this teach to it because that's mm. what I like to do. I like to teach. I like to, I like to share my knowledge. And at that time I actually had a really small YouTube channel, which I still have in the background. And it was kind of my philosophy behind like studying stuff, practicing it in my life. And then I would teach it by a YouTube video. And then that idea then came on the Twitter. I would study something, practice it. And then I would try to explain it through a Twitter thread or through, through tweets. So basically it, it, it came from, the world of stoicism, but it really boils down to a very, very simple idea. Study shit in your life, practice it until you're good at it, or you're at a level that you're better than most people, which isn't actually that hard in a lot of fields, and then start teaching it to people because those who learn, those who teach learn twice, and, that, and it really solidifies your thinking. I love that. I love that because it's it's kind of well in line with what I'm starting to understand, and it's cool that us as creators and a lot of other people I've talked to is they study, they practice, and then they form their own little system based off of their experience, right? Like their, their own personal system that they can pass on to someone else and be like, hey, use this so you can study it, practice, and then create your own system in a sense that gets results for whatever area of life and then teach it to others. And yeah. One of so Eric Edge on a podcast a bit ago, he said that I don't know if this is Jordan Peterson's life philosophy, but it's definitely something that he preaches is and I may butcher this, but climbing up the elevator or taking the elevator up or even just taking the stairs up. I'll say it that way because that makes more sense to me is and me putting my own unique spin on it is you take the stairs up to whatever result you're trying to achieve. And then you send the elevator down 
so other people can get up to that point quicker. And then you either can like both climb the stairs to <laughs> the next level, or you just help them like get to that staircase faster. So they're making progress faster. And overall, you're kind of advancing the growth of the collective human consciousness or whatever you want to call it. Like in A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, great fucking book. That's one of the main teachings is that almost everything you do should be towards advancing the growth of the collective human consciousness because that's what matters. And you do that by bettering yourself, right? Yep. So I really like how like you stumbled upon that method and you named it that possibly without knowing that that's what a lot of like big thinkers and successful people also think. So it's like you crack the code on your own and now you're helping other people crack the code on your own. And that's exactly what all of this is about. So I want to, I want to hear like what got you into stoicism because for me it was, um, spirituality. Like I could go into my story, but I read the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. And that is like what sparked everything, like all of the growth. And I'm assuming that's what stoicism was for you. So what led up to that point of discovering stoicism and having that be the catalyst to everything else? That's a great question. And before like getting into that point, I do a bit of a background story of, of, I was lost in my twenties and maybe in, even in, in my teens, um, where I had all, I had turned my back on religion and same. <laughs> same, yeah. But one of the reasons I turned my back on religion is I grew up in Northern Ireland and anybody who's not aware, there are two tribes in Northern Ireland, the Protestants and the Catholics and their books, the religious books, their Bibles, they're, they're, they're very, very similar except for a few differences. Now I, I'll probably have a Catholic and a Protestant listen to this and be like, no, there's many differences. Realistically, take a step back. They're the same book, the same God, except there's a few, you know, marketing differences between how they're talking to their systems that they use. And these people in the country I grew up in for hundreds of years have killed each other. People who were born in the same street because they were born into a house that was Catholic or they're born in the house that was Protestant and they hate each other. So I've always had a natural like, well, I don't like religion then because religion sounds stupid people just because you're born to a certain religion means you hate the other person. I, that, that doesn't serve me at all. Mm -hmm. I'm no, that doesn't work for me. It's no use for me. So I spent a lot of times in my twenties, I think in life, not having a value system, not having an idea of like, how, how do I want to show up in life? And I've always kind of thought of myself as a bit of like a Roman or Greek philosopher, Marcus Aurelius. That name has always been on my mind. It was in the movie gladiator, which came out when I was, Got to show my age, and I think I was 21 when that came out, 19 or 20, 21. And I just love the scenes at the start of the movie when Marcus Aurelius was alive, and he's talking to his son, and he's talking about the the, the qualities of stoicism, and, and it's just a very powerful kind of idea, like do the right thing. Then, as I grew up and and, and got into like as my life was kind of like going nowhere, uh, I moved to Canada, and the book that changed it for me was a, a book by Robin Sharma called the. Uh, the leader with no title. I think I might be getting the name of the, the, the book wrong, but I bought it thinking it was a leadership book because it was like a leader with no title. And I was like, I'd always worked in management. I got a business degree and I've always worked in management. So I was looking for ways to improve because there was just, I had an itch wanting to improve things. But that was the book that uh, 
from Robin Sharmer. And I had, it was on my shelf for about a year after I bought it. I didn't read it straight away. It was like, uh, it wasn't self-help. It was like shelf help. It was like holding it. was like on my <laughs> shelf, helping myself look good, but not, not, not actually doing any, uh, any good in my life. And then I eventually like picked the book up and I read it and it ended up being this like a little fable about this guy in his twenties or thirties who was lost. And at that time I was in my thirties, this guy who had trouble in his life. He had like a, you know, using drink and a lot of things to numb his pain in life. And I was like, Oh my God, it's me. How is this book about me? And eventually I, I started meditating and I started like doing journaling work and doing all that sort of like core personal development stuff. And then that's when I actually decided to, you know what, when I was in a bookstore, I actually bought Marcus Aurelius meditations. And I was probably about 31 at the time, 32, uh, which is nearly 10 years ago now. And I, I read meditations for the first time. And like, since that moment, it's just been still as I just fell into it. And then, then we had the, the, the rolling in of like Tim Ferriss. We talk about a lot in this podcast, Ryan holiday, you know, it just, I, I don't know whether I hit on it. I think I hit on it before it was, I don't want to say I hit on it before it was trendy. I don't want to sound like, Hey, I knew the band before they released their first album. I don't want to say that kind of thing. Uh, but I, maybe it was in the ether. It was in society there was a collective kind of like energy of like people who weren't connected to a religion wanting some sort of like values for this crazy world that we live in. And when I started reading Stoicism, I started getting those values. I started getting that, like how to do the right thing, how to show up as a man, how to show up as a person, how to embody what it is to be a good person. And I, and I got those core ideas from, from Stoicism. So that, 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 that's why Stoicism is my, foundational rock for a lot of my coaching a lot of my uh, twitter work a lot of my ideas they come back to these core fundamental ideas from the stoics which i actually think is the first and original personal development philosophy because hmm. yes there are other people out there that might say that different religions they might say like Taoism uh, from the chinese or they might say like hinduism but what i find about hinduism and Taoism and some of the more buddhist stuff is they're very wishy-washy with what they're saying i feel like they talking rhymes and riddles and analogies where mm. the majority of stoic quotes are just boom do this stop worrying stop making shit up in your head don't go after materialistic things go after the things that serve you like just like straight to the point and that's what really resonated mm. with me with stoicism wow i i've actually been i've been thinking a, a, a lot of this stuff recently i just wrote down like 20 notes but the the whole thing like it's funny because the wishy-washy speaks to me more like i okay. like I, I love reading like stoic philosophy and all of that stuff and i can definitely see where you're coming from now and that's what got me into spirituality is because it was so wishy-washy in a sense at least the way that it was being spun on in the things that i was reading and they'd have like that metaphor there and i'd tie it to my personal situation and I'm like, damn, that is so true. Yeah. Like, I just need to, <laughs> it's exactly what I want to do. And and that's, I think that's huge in one of the lessons that I've learned recently in that different messages impact different people. And yeah. the entire idea behind our personal brands, although we can talk about things that are very similar, we have a different way of getting that message across yeah. and attracting people that resonate with that message. So even if I was a direct competitor, it doesn't matter. 
it doesn't matter because the messaging is different and people are yes. going to work with with who they vibe the most with. But yeah. I want to I want to go back to what you said about creating a value system. Because this is something another thing that I've been reading a lot about recently is like ideology and kind of rejecting ideology, at least external ideology. So yeah. whether it be religion or just others value systems or things that you hear about and this could even go back to the whole study practice teach is do you think that how do i word this question this is difficult do do you think that people should create their own value systems or just abide by other ones not and i don't mean like blindly either it's like create your own value system or go off of someone else's? I think eventually we need to create our own. I, I think using somebody else's systems is a great place to start. Because mm. it, it gives you a head, head start. Someone here, here here's, here's a collective of, of ideas and systems to live by. But at a certain point, I think you need to start assessing what is working and what's not working for you. I, I think there's a, for me personally, there's a lot of baggage with, certain ideologies and systems and religions. Uh, and I think at a certain point that we need to sort of like move by that. There's a famous quote uh, that I always think about when I think about religions and, and ideologies is like the map is not the territory. Meaning that you can look at this, for example, you can look at a map of New York City and you're like, well, you haven't been to New York City. You haven't walked down the main streets of New York City but you can look at a map and see it. You can go on Google Maps and you can actually zoom in on street level. And it's like, yeah, I'm in New York City. I'm in Times Square. No, you're not. You've never been there. That's you. <laughs> you, you you're, you're reading on a map. You're looking at the map and you're like, yeah, I, I can see Times Square. I can see New York City. I, I, the, oh, the Bronx is that way. You know, Manhattan's this way. Cool, cool, cool. But until you've actually been to that city, you don't know the territory. And I think that a lot of times that when people install values or, or install parts of ideologies and then they use them, they've never really experienced from themselves. They, they, they don't actually go deep with them. They don't actually test, learn, adapt these ideas that they read within these ideologies. Like what well, famous one for the Bible is like, like yeah, Jesus, when he went into the, went into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, how many Christians, and I'm not having a dig at Christianity here at all, but how many Christians have actually gone on their own and lived on their own in a, maybe a city on their own or, or, or moved out to the forest to a nice cabin, gone with supplies, but like this spent 40 days and 40 nights on their own journaling, doing some meditation work, doing some introflection and actually doing the process that Jesus did. Like mm -hmm. actually doing that, like I've not done it. So I'm not going to say that, you know, you should do it. I'm just giving the example, the difference <laughs> between the map and the territory is actually doing these systems. It's like from stoicism, I, I learned from Seneca to journal at night and in the morning to set to review your day. So that's a, um, a part of my systems, a part of my, my my life is to do that. And I took that from somebody else. So I took that from stoicism and I take other, other, I take other ideas from other places. So I'm always adapting the systems I use and, and the values I have. But to be fair, since my early to mid thirties, my value system has stayed very, very similar. Cause I kind of land, land on the sort of integrity, consistency, passion, showing up each day, not just showing up, but you know what I'm talking about showing up each day. So it's like, 
you, you land in these systems and, and a lot of those core ones, they're probably going to be with you for life. But I always feel like you should be open to changing them, adjusting them, adapting them. And I think sometimes with people who get locked into a religion or ideology, they find it very hard to adapt or, or pivot because they feel like the, the adoption or the pivot comes up against their installed beliefs. Damn, dude. <laughs> that, dude, that, that was really good. I've never thought, of, I've thought about it that way. Like I understand that experience is like the only thing you have in a sense in, in terms of like what is true to you, right? But man, that that metaphor or the example of Jesus going, spending 40 days, 40 nights and other people not doing that, but taking the lessons from those as their personal truth yep. doesn't really make sense. But I, I can't even add on to that. Uh, that was extremely well said. And I think people should rewind that and go back to that <laughs> because that was powerful, at least to me. Like that's a message that resonates with me really well. And the one thing that I should have started off with here, because some people may have zero idea what we're talking about, but what can you give us a like a simple definition of stoicism and like common miscon misconceptions? Because from my viewpoint, it seems like people write it off a lot. It's like, oh, this is too simple. Oh, this is like, this doesn't apply to everyone, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. So how would you define it and give that background of misconceptions? Well, my, my definition of, of stoicism is, is four words. All the books that I've read, all the stuff that I've, I've gone through in my life, I, it's really boiled down to this sort of like a little mantra. Do the right thing. That's, mm. that, that, that to me is just like in any situation, a stoic, in my opinion, will do the right thing. They'll assess the situation. They'll take a perspective, a step back, and then they'll do the right thing based on their skills, knowledge, and abilities at that time. Now, is that the right thing that's the right thing? Might not be the right thing. I've said the right thing there quite a lot, but you know what I'm trying to say. It, the thing that they feel is right at the time might not ultimately be the thing that turns into success, but they're at least doing the right thing based on who they are in that moment. Because they take the time to actually assess and be like, well, based on who I am right now, and based on my skills, knowledge, and ability, I'm going to do this thing, and that's the right thing for me at the time. And I think that's what I take out of stoicism. Misconceptions that people have, well, the modern idea of a stoic is an unemotional person that, mm -hmm. that doesn't react to suffering. And I think that's just complete BS. I think stoicism is actually a very powerful and emotional philosophy because you actually have to to be able to control your emotions you first have to be in touch with your emotions it's not about pushing the emotions down and being like oh i'm choking them to death and never letting them come out you get angry and then you realize you say to that emotion i'm angry right now i i'm i'm frustrated and i'm angry but what's the right thing to do with that anger is it to flip a table is it to go and punch somebody is it to you know, yell. No, the right thing to do is to recognize that you have anger, let it pass through you, and then respond to the situation appropriately like an adult. So mm -hmm. the conception of a stoic is this dead, cold person that doesn't respond. But in reality, a stoic is somebody who's just in control of their emotions. Do you, I get it right all the time? No, I'm not a Jedi Knight. I'm not a, I'm not a, 
a monk, we're human. But the idea is that we're always striving to not be in control of the emotions in the sense that you're not recognizing them and you're just strangling them. As I was saying, you're in control of the emotions that you you recognize it. You allow it to flow through. You do the right thing with those emotions. So I think to me, that's my main takeaway from stoicism. And that's the main misconception that I see people uh, talking about stoicism. Yeah, I've, I've heard the same thing. That's why I wanted to ask that question. I wanted to get your take on it. And it, it's, it's the same thing from the spiritual aspect. I mean, they're, I think they're more like vocal on feeling those emotions. Uh, but even from the start, when I started meditating, when I started journaling, when I started actually feeling those emotions, like one thing I read from the power of now was like in whatever emotion you're feeling, dive fully into it, like kind of let it take over in a sense and feel it to its fullest power in a sense. And then have like a metacognition practice where you're kind of questioning, okay, why am I feeling this way? Is this rational? Um, Et cetera, et cetera. And that's the thing. I've, I've become such a calm person that people question that all the time. So like I, (laughs) this may be a bit personal, but I had an ex that like when we were in the process of breaking up, I got called uh, a cold, emotionless robot. And I kind (laughs) of took it as a compliment. Like it was, it's like, okay, it's been paying off. I'm like, my calmness is being mistaken for that. And I don't want to dive too deep into the situation, but I wasn't a cold, emotionless robot. Like I was feeling those emotions and kind of preventing myself from reacting at that point. I could have handled it better, of course, but people may perceive it as that when you are just better at managing those emotions yeah. and letting the correct ones impact others. Right. So with that, did you have something to add? I saw your, I was just nodding. I was just fully agreeing. Yeah. It's, okay. Okay, cool. I was, I was in full agreement with what you're saying. I've, I've experienced that myself. I'm a very passionate guy and I do have a, like a, uh, an angry streak, but yeah. <laughs> and so, but that's why I love stoicism because it's helping me in that way. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I would say that journaling is one of the main practices to help with that. Yes. Like Joey, Joey loves brain dump journaling. I feel like all listeners should understand what that is by now. Yeah. But journaling is a huge part of your life. I know that. And you have a you have a product on it. So what is your favorite journaling practice or the one that you've seen impact your life the most i i actually have two journals that's that's how i separate my journals out i have a a personal journal which is my ideas my emotions uh, my plans and then i have like a tactical journal which is for my business it's it's set up like i review each week I, I have a grid that I do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I have what's on my big rocks for the week, what's on my radar, what am I learning? And and I every morning I write out what I'm doing and then I review each week. Uh, and I have a tact and that's basically around my around my business. And then I have an art journal, as I said, that I write my thoughts in. Uh, and the first ten pages of that journal have all my kind of like all my wins, all my life rules, all my favorite quotes. 
things that I want to achieve in my life, things I want to experience. And anytime I need a grounding, it's like kind of like my avatar of who I am. Mm. Like, you know, we have a customer avatar. Yeah. I almost have like an avatar of Steven. What, what does Steve, what's Steven look like when he's in his, in his zone, when he's in his light, when he's following his energy? What is the perfect me? You know, what am I all about? And how, how do I connect to that, that, that version of myself? And that's what I have in the start of that journal. And I probably read that page, those seven pages, at least once or twice a week, uh, more often when I'm struggling to really connect to my why. Um, so that, that's, that's what my current journal practice is. But yes, uh, going back to my early 30s when I started journaling, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm a poster boy for everything that a lot of guys on Twitter talk about. Like, don't waste your 20s. I'm like, <laughs> I know. kind of did that. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> don't spend your 20s yeah. in nightclubs. You'll be a loser. I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, kind of did that. Uh, so it's, it's funny, but I find that I had I was running away from so many of my emotions, uh, and I was using, you know, the, the weekends, the nightclubs, the electronic music, the festivals. I was using a lot of that as as my getaway, as my sort of my meditation for to get away from life because I was running away from things. Mm. I just or as I've reframed it now is I've always been subculture, but my subculture in my twenties was to be into underground electronic music and be different than everybody else that way. And then my subculture in my thirties and beyond has been about being into personal growth, personal development, starting businesses, starting side hustles and doing things that 99% of other people don't want to do or 95% don't want to do, but I'm still subculture, but I'm subculture in a healthy way rather than being subculture in a unhealthy way. But they're very, very similar. Mm-hmm. I think they're very, very similar in mindset People are rejecting the norm. They're rejecting, like a lot of people who I, who I know who are into electronic music, they're rejecting pop music. They're rejecting mainstream radio. They're rejecting the mainstream life. They're, yeah, they're, they're rejecting the, the, what 90% of other people do. So they want to go to these underground clubs. They want to go to this, like listen to the most underground esoteric out there music that is possible and, and see these DJs and stuff. And, and, and that to me has come across to now me being, you, same kind of idea, but when it comes to personal development, and one of those key ideas that link it back to what you're saying was journaling and all those emotions that I was able to put out on on the paper in my early 30s. Like I have a journaling experience that I talk about with people is that really triggered me into like really sorting my life out. Early on, uh, I was doing a journaling exercise around what was the happiest moment of my life. And I wrote out a scenario of me being surrounded by my mates in my 20s in a nightclub about two or three in the morning basically all being loved up chemically having the best time of my life. And then when I wrote that, I felt so disappointed afterwards. That's the best moment in my life was a chemically induced drunken party. That's, that's my best moment. It's not a moment with my mom or my dad or with a girlfriend or like succeeding or or it was like a almost fabricated moment. Now, do I still love that moment? Yes. Do I still cherish that moment? 100%. I'm not uh, disregarding the emotions of that time. I'm just saying that, like, wow, I my happiest moment should be something that something a bit more real, if that makes sense. But like journaling actually helped me get to that. Right. That makes complete sense, <laughs> dude. You you kind of explain my situation. <laughs> Very well, because I'm still I'm on the personal development side of things, of course. Um, But I 
I never thought of it as like the whole subculture thing, because for the longest time, that's my life story as a whole is I rejected everything that seemed conventional. Yeah. Right. So when I saw my parents pushing this ideology on me at the time, it was Mormonism or LDS. And like I rejected that. I questioned almost everything they told me. And I believe some of it, like I, I love the people that I met while going to that church and they have a great value system, I must admit. And a lot of those values still hold true to me in the one that I've created. But come now, it's like, you've probably seen me, you have seen me and you've given me shit about it. uh, The whole dubstep thing. (laughs) So like, I, I, I love dubstep. That's Or first it was like hardcore rock, right? That seemed very niche and that helped me in the gym. Like I love listening to that in the gym and that eventually transitioned into like dubstep because it was subculture. It's gaining popularity like very fast, but I still love going to the shows and enjoying my time there. I spin it as tactical degeneracy, (laughs) which, which may or may not be a cope, but (laughs) it's it's fun to be able to go out and do that do those things and let loose and i know my time uh with those will come to an end because i feel like a lot of the the bad things that we do we eventually realize how bad they are for us and yeah it 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 really takes that internal drive to completely stop it right that's like once you hit that rock bottom which i hope i don't have to hit in order to end this thing but i'm still enjoying the festivals and everything up until now until that time comes where it's like okay my body can't take this anymore my psyche can't take this anymore it's time to go all in on what i'm already going all in on but that's the thing and i want to ask because this is true to me but did that whole subculture pursuit form the person that you are today? Yeah, partly, yeah. Yes. There, there, there is a, I, I all, as I was saying just before, like I've always kind of been subculture. I just didn't understand what I wanted that to be. You know, I, I was rejecting, like you said, like yourself, I was rejecting the norm of society. I was rejecting what the expectations were. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't very good at school. We go back even further. I, I, I'm, not I, I've never been diagnosed, but I definitely think I have some type of attention deficit order. Also, I, I have I have problems of spelling and grammar and, and stuff in math when I was a kid. I mean, I was a D student, and I ended up I don't know how I ended up going to university and stuff, but anyway, uh, I managed to pull it off. But the the what I learned during those years is that I was using those Saturday nights in a nightclub. There's a certain point at two or three in the morning where you are deep in your own thoughts. You are dancing on your own practice. Yeah, there's people around you, but there's moments where you slip into it. Uh, it was almost like a dancing meditation. And I was able to sort of connect back on the, I was using the nightclubs uh, and the feel good alcohol and chemicals as a, re- as a release valve from my life. Now, I, I really do look back at in my 30s. I've looked back in my 20s and I wish that I'd been a bit more balanced like yourself. Like you still have your party weekend, still have your tactical uh, degeneracy as you as, as you put it. I love that. I think it's a 
brilliant. I think it's a brilliant term. Good for you for doing it because I feel like everybody needs that let loose two or three, four days in a row where you just kiss the world goodbye and go and do your thing. Um, camping or whatever it is. Uh, everybody needs that once in a while. And get, going back to that, I've kind of lost my train of thought there for a second, but going, going back to that is that when I was journaling that, I, I know that I was using using the, the, that that as a as a crutch rather, rather than actually dealing with my problems during the week. And I think in my 30s, I started dealing with my problems during the week. And then all of a sudden, I didn't really feel like I needed to go out at the weekend anymore because I was doing the meditation practice. I was doing the journaling and a lot of my issues were being resolved. Uh, I now use exercise for that as well. It's like it's funny how we can replace things that we do harmful things as a result of trauma or we do harmful things as a result of, of, of difficult times, drinking alcohol or, or, or doing drugs, whatever that might be. But we don't actually, we don't look at the pain or the problem. And, but then when we start looking at the pain and the problem, we actually, we're able to figure things out and move our lives forward. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that a lot because it's the whole idea of fabricated presence, I guess you could say, right? Yeah. Becoming like being present. That, that's all we're trying to do. We're, we meditate to become present, to get yes. those negative emotions out of our head. We journal to become more present. And when you don't know that that state is attainable naturally, people tend toward, to go towards the drugs, the alcohol yes. and other things that kind of force that presence upon you. And you're like, yeah. I love this feeling. This yes. is my way out of those negative problems. 100%. And so yeah, once you start to meditate and start to dive into that personal development journey, which I, I do believe, at least from the people that I've talked to, that comes from hitting rock bottom of some sort. Yeah, it does. Right. You 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 said you were lost. For me personally, it was getting arrested and having to pay like a huge bill. And it's like, okay, yeah, something needs to change here. And then you start diving into the personal development yeah. stuff. And that's it, man. Yeah. I, I want to, <laughs> this has been on my mind because it was so good when you said it, but the whole, the whole self, <laughs> self-help versus shelf help, uh, that needs <laughs> to be turned into a tweet like that. That could be a perfect tweet of some sort. I feel like that would go viral, but yeah. what, I, what's I, your, I Sorry, go, go ahead. I was going to say, I heard that somewhere before. I don't know who, who the guru uh, or the person came up from. That's not, that's not. That's not a Stephen success theory original. And um, I heard <laughs> someone else say that. I don't know who it was, but it stuck with me because as soon as I heard it, it made me laugh because I have more books on my shelf that I, that I haven't read than I actually <laughs> have read. Yep. <laughs> okay. So with that, have you developed your own like method of consuming content or books or and anything of that sort? Because we're content creators, like we use and we pull inspiration from other things uh, and use our experience and spin and however you want to say you create content. But I've been trying to figure out a better way and more systemized way to actually consume that content rather than just like scheduling time on my calendar to pick up a book and read it and trying to finish the whole book. And I know like Naval's method of reading is like, if you don't like the first page or the first chapter, then yep. throw it away. Uh, and he doesn't necessarily recommend buying physical books 
unless you would read it again. It's like stack up your Kindle library, uh, skim through it. And then if you would read it, then buy the book and read it. So do you have a method for that, whether it's books or just like articles, YouTube videos, anything? I've struggled with online computer reading. I, I can't do it. My concentration just doesn't work with a screen in front of me. Uh, I've tried mm -hmm. reading books uh, on different devices, just does not work with me. So I, I'll buy books, uh, but I usually batch buy books on a subject. So what what I uh, what I've done before is like. I'll be coming up against a certain thing. I did a project management uh, certificate a couple of years ago for my for my corporate job. Uh, and project management's a great thing. If anybody wants to go and do an edX course or anything and, and have like a, a a business model that actually helps you in your life, project management is a great uh, little thing to get into for a little bit. So when I was going through that course, I went and the course that I was doing recommended a couple of books. So I went and bought all of them. And as I was doing the course, I was reading the books. I've done the same with marketing. If I've got a problem with marketing, I go and buy two or three marketing books. And then as I'm testing, learning, adapting, I'm reading these books. Mm -hmm. When it comes to my normal content, I don't have any real systems. I, I do try to read in the morning. Uh, a, a, good, a good morning for me, I've got like 15, 20 minutes in. I have a pencil in my hand. and what I usually do is I will pencil through any ideas. And then that night when I'm writing tweets for the morning, because I schedule my tweets before I go to bed, because being on in Vancouver and on, on the, on the West coast, I feel like I'm hours behind everybody else. Uh, yeah. And to get, and to get around that chase, I'm catching up with Europe, catching up with the East coast. I schedule two or three tweets in the morning before I go to bed. Hey, sorry. Some people are like, Oh, I shouldn't schedule your tweets. Fire off shit from your hip. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, bullshit. Uh, just people, I don't know. <laughs> so that's, um, so I, I do that. But what I do, like tonight, uh, I will look at, I've probably read about five or six pages this morning uh, of the book I'm currently reading. And I've probably used the pencil on one or on two or three of them. I will look at that and I will look to see if there's any content that I underlined that will actually help me be like, oh, I could make this into a tweet. So that's mm -hmm. one system that I, that I use for my, for my tweets. When it comes to my threads that I write, I usually have, uh, you know, coaching people's great for that. Like, because you're doing coaching people, oh, yeah. when you're coaching somebody, they you take notes. And what I find is when I've coached a few people, a word might come up like complex. So I'll be like, ah, oh, people are finding things complex. So let's do a thread on complexity. So then I go and go on the medium or I do research on Google and I look for other things that people have talked about complexity. I write down my own ideas. I look for maybe a format or a structure or what have other people said. And then I try to create my own thread on complexity. And I probably do that at least once a week where my ideas for my threads come from conversations that I'm having where I see common themes and issues that people are struggling with that are within my avatar's niche. Mm. I like that. That's, that's similar to what I do. Um, in terms of the like firing from the hip versus scheduling content, I, I fire from the hip into my scheduler. Mm. Like I technically am firing from the hip. I'm just posting yeah. it at a better time. That'll get better engagement. It's like exactly. if an idea it's... comes to mind. I'm going to fire from the hip straight into hype fury yeah. and then it'll go out at a better time. I've done that quite a few times in reading a book or uh, watching a, like I'll watch some YouTube videos and something will come up 
and I'll be like, that's a great tweet. And I'll go to tweet it, and yeah. I'll be like, it's 3 yeah. o'clock in the afternoon. This is going to go nowhere. <laughs> so I yep. take the idea and put it in for the morning time. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. And I do the same thing. And for those wondering, like, there are people that just kind of, like, they'll read something and then kind of like a copy-paste method because they're just trying to grow, which I, I don't really have a problem with. But the the very good tweets where you can like sense that energy. We were kind of talking about this uh, before actually recording, but people can sense the energy and authenticity yes. in your tweets. I don't know how to explain it. You just can. Like when yep. I read someone's tweets, it's like, okay, that guy's lived through that shit. Yeah. And he knows what he's talking about or he's feeling like great right now. It's really weird phenomenon. But that's the thing is when you're doing that, and spinning your own tweet off of it, it's just inspiration. It's yeah. inspiration and pulling from the experience you've had with that. And that is what creates your unique thing because everyone's saying the same fucking thing. Everyone's saying the same thing. And that's what JK Molina says is that Twitter is all about saying the same thing a thousand different times. And yeah. that's all life really is. Like the way that I used to like to put it because I did... Uh, digital art with Photoshop. And I would post that on Instagram and I grew a pretty big audience. But the way I like to think of it, because I felt bad, I felt bad because what I was doing when I couldn't go out and shoot my own pictures of like landscapes or something else, the process for it is going to like free stock picture websites yeah, and finding like the perfect composition of photos that would fit together. So it's like, okay, if I'm going to create a landscape photo with a bunch of mountains, then I need like a base. I need a like a the edge of a mountain where someone's standing. I need like a valley, which could be a river. And then I need like mountains coming up the side of that river. And I need to like cut them out and make them look cool and add some shading. And then if I want to make it look super cool, this was like my style. And what I would always do is have a picture of like a galaxy going up. Yeah in the sky and then reflected in the water. And so I felt kind of bad about it. Cause it's like, I'm not like, all I'm doing is just remixing all of these different things. And that's the way I like to think of it now because with music, that's what people do. They yeah. remix songs to either make it better, put their own unique spin on it. And so in terms of Twitter or just content creation in general, what you're doing is you take an idea that you already enjoy and you've already experienced and you know how to kind of twist it in your own way to make it impact people more like my photos would usually be, be a bit more polished and um, supernatural than the original photo. And that was my style. So it's like you develop your own writing style or video style or something else. And that's what attracts people to you going back to what we said earlier and people working with you as opposed to someone else. So I've probably said this specific concept in 20 different ways on this podcast because I like to talk about personal branding and like working for yourself and becoming a creator. And that's how you do it. That's your niche. Like as a freelancer, when you're not building an audience, you have to be very, very niche down, target a specific person. And this is true for sales of any sort. But when you're building a brand that's very different from like direct response marketing is you combine all of your interests 
and passions and ideas and you tweet them out and people follow you and you have to kind of play to the platform, but that's how you do it. Yeah. Right. So that, that kind of leads into, I'm curious, like when you started your Twitter journey, why did you start your Twitter journey? Yeah. Uh, before I get to that, there's two things I want to go back to what you said that, that I vibed yeah. with quite a lot. I, I'm a huge believer in frequencies. Like I think that we vibe like you're when you're cutting and pasting plats platitudes. Um, I don't. I don't think you, you might get you might get a lot of people, but I don't think you really speak to one person. And, and that's yeah. that's what I try to do with a lot of my tweets. It's like I'm actually trying to either they're an experience I'm going through, or I'm speaking directly to one. I'm trying to speak directly to one person. And the other thing that you talked about was like the what you were talking about your content creation. I think of mine. Uh, that's the reason why I don't really get too competitive with people, or I don't really think about competition too much, is because I think of myself as a DJ. Because I used to do a bit of DJ, and I, I grew up, you know, mm. aside from clubbing, I attempted to make music and 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 you know, do mixes and stuff. And the way that I look at it is that. There are hundreds of house DJs that I love. I would go and see. There's, if they came to Vancouver, I'd probably still go and see them because I've got a, a deep, deep connection to them. Like Nick Fanciulli would be one of them, a guy that I, I've seen him a number of times, a great DJ live. But there's lots of other house DJs that I like. But they all DJ at a slightly different frequency, a slightly different vibe, slightly different style. Uh, so they all have different, they all pump it out different, uh, different sort of like uh, uh, different kind of types of sounds. And I think about that with or gurus and personal development people as well. It's like we're, there's so many of us in the same space, but we're DJing to our own crowd who like our vibe, who like how, how we put our ideas together, how we put our set together, how we put our threads together, how we say what we want to say. There's a certain way that I do it. There's a certain way that you do it. And, and there's people out there who are like, oh, I love Success Theory. I also love Dan Co. But uh, – Art of Purpose or Joey could be my number one or JK is my number one uh, Twitter guy, but I also like all the rest of these guys. And I think that's the the, the point is that, that we're all DJing to, to a crowd of people, uh, but we're trying to really DJ to that small crowd of super fans that we want to attract to get our products, to hire us as coaches, to, you know, come along on our journey. So it, that, that's the way I look at it is like a, I'm, I'm hosting a little party on my page every day and I'm trying to attract the right people. Um, but to get to your question about why did I start uh, Twitter, it's a, I'm very good at going off and telling stories and going off into the jungle. And that was good. Bring that was really back. good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bring myself back to this. I started Twitter because of my YouTube channel four or five years ago. My, I think I, have, I haven't got my internet open. Like there's only tab I open currently because I don't want to ruin our connection but i think mine's 2017 that i started my twitter account um i started my youtube channel in 2016 and i was like well growth i should be doing growth so i had an instagram i had twitter anytime i do a video i would just like post the links on instagram mm -hmm. i did it a bit different where i might do a photograph or i might do a quick uh, back then it was just a quick video where i might take a snippet or i might say something it didn't really work out for me in that that well on instagram and on twitter it was the same thing. I just like was posting for years. I was just posting these links and maybe the odd time I get one like and I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and then when the pandemic happened in 2019, 
back end of 2019, December into January 2020, I was then working from home. And while I was at home, I was just kind of like, I had a bit of spare time. I just moved on to a project and, and anybody who's worked in corporate will understand the first two or three months of a project, you do no work. And then the last two or three months of a project, you work 70 hour weeks. It's just, it's ridiculous. Like they don't distribute the work evenly. Uh, so I was like sitting in this massive project that we just started and I had a lot of free time. And I started like, I went, well, I can be on Twitter a bit more. And I started like seeing, like I was following a lot of Stoics and stuff and I came across Life Money Math and I came across Im mm. um, and what's it called? Im, Im, what's Im's actual full name? Like Immutable Man. Immutable Man. And I saw that these guys were talking about philosophical ideas and I was like, cool. And then I came across uh, in March, I came across uh, Charles writing the yeah, riches. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what our what scarcity or, or what um, uh, influence persuasion that he used. Like his course, he was doing his freelance course and his, um, his uh, make it stick thing. He had it on like a, um, uh, on an offer. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going to get it. Uh, so I, yeah. I got make, make it stick. And then I just started following it. And I slowly but surely started getting followers from it. I went from 75 followers in March of 2020. And then this time last year, I had 2000 followers and I just launched my first product. And now mm. I'm at 35. But like I, I got onto Twitter because of the pandemic. And, and I now have a job because of it, because of my Twitter account in a year. So I, it's uh, mind blowing. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of crazy that the power of the internet and the power of Twitter has and, and the connections, the mindset. And to be honest, when I first started on Twitter, I was called struggling to succeed because my whole YouTube mm. channel, I don't know whether I was a cope. I don't know what I was, I was afraid of. I, I maybe didn't have the, maybe I was hung up about the fact that I was in my thirties and starting this YouTube video that I was kind of like, Oh yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm struggling to succeed. I, I'm, and my channel never really took off. I, I obviously I've got like a thousand over a thousand subs, and it did okay. I've had a few videos really get twenty, thirty thousand views. I've never really blown up on YouTube, but it wasn't until I landed on Twitter and started actually getting a decent following because around about two thousand followers, I changed my name to Success Theory, which is also funny enough my initials ST. Coincidence? Yeah. <laughs> I think not. I think, uh, not. I think not. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I. I it was the instant feedback. It was the the fact that you start to tap into the, the actual, you get to see Cialdini's six influence or seven he has now, or is it six parts of his influence. You actually get to see them live. You get to see reciprocity mm -hmm. on the timeline. You get to see uh, scarcity. You get to see authority. You get to see all the different influences actually react to them live with your tweets, with your threads, with your offers. Uh, and you get automatic feedback. And it was JK Molina and, and others that, that said to me, get struggling out of your, out of, out of your, um, yeah. out of your bio, get, 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 change your name. Cause struggling, people don't want to struggle. People want the keys to the kingdom. People want to feel like they're, they're progressing. Um, and I was talking to JK and a couple of others in a group chat. And I was like, well, what's your, what's your whole vibe about? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm helping people find their hidden path to success. I'm helping people, get to success uh, and you know, I don't want to give it away, but JK Molina came in and went success theory in the chat. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. done. I think I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, I think, think I was right. in that as well. Yeah. yeah that yeah. was sweet. Yeah. And then I was like, back. done. I was like, I'm success theory. 
we were just bouncing back ideas backwards and forwards and it, it was just it was perfect because then i was like that's my initials as well it's just like it's like boom i just had this moment where like that's like talking about vibing with people and getting in a good frequency yeah. and having the right energy when something like it happens you're like this is meant to be this is this is cool because a lot of people call me st in group chats and yeah. i don't think a lot of them actually know that that's actually like when someone says st i'm like oh they're talking <laughs> i read it as stephen timothy i don't read it as success theory I, I yeah. read it as my name and then I'm like, oh, they're, t- they're saying success theory. So it's just, it's, 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 it was a lovely bit of synergy. It was a, but it, the whole Twitter journey has been really fucking cool. It's been really, it's been really cool the last year and a bit uh, on Twitter. The thing that blows my mind about it is that people only see the polished version, right? You hear about this all the time with oh social media influencers it's just a facade it's all fake uh that's kind of aside from the point but people only see 35k follower steven people yeah. only see uh the brand modern mastery and that this guy has a podcast and it's like oh cool this guy is i guarantee people think like this guy's a big player when that may be the case, but we don't see ourselves that way. We still see ourselves no. as average people. And it's made me realize, especially after conversations with like Rob Lipset and huge, huge, huge people, it's like, it's the same thing. It's the same fucking thing. Like they're just normal people that decided to commit to social media growth as a business and form a personal brand and do the whole like DJ in front of the crowd thing. Uh, for everyone and attract that following over the course of we're only like two years deep into this, but the people that are like five, 10 years, it's like, Oh, these guys are huge players. It's just like they've, they've stuck with it for a bit. They've stayed consistent as the cliche goes. And that's really all that matters. I mean, we could, we could spit off some consistency platitudes right now, (laughs) but for those listening, like I'm, this is a part of my business is like, I help people do this. So for anyone that doesn't think that they can do this, you're just flat out wrong. You're completely wrong. I mean, you may not have, uh, experience to be able to do what we're doing because I've noticed a common theme in a lot of these creators is that they went through those low points in life. They came out the other side. They learned a lot. They started businesses. They uh, created art. They have a story to tell in a sense, but then there's the build in public route. So you really have no fucking excuse. It's just like get started while it's early because we are still very early and just see where it takes you. Learn the platform and game the platform. That's another, I've been learning a lot about, mind games recently and how everything's a mind game and that's story for another time might make like a youtube video on it but it's really just a game and the way you play the game how do you how do you play a game first you learn the rules you learn the boundaries you learn uh the system that makes it all work you figure out how am i going to level up how am i going to gain this experience and then once you understand that that's when you start playing the game. You don't play the game before you learn the rules or understand the boundaries or anything else. And so spinning that to social media, it's like you have to learn how to play the game. You have to learn how to grow an audience. If you don't know how to grow an audience, you're going to be putting out, you're going to start playing the game. You're going to start putting out posts and you're not going to see any traction. We both experienced that. For you, it was on YouTube. I started the YouTube channel a bit 
like a few years ago. That's what I first started with too. So I saw that and it's like, I didn't know how to play the game on Twitter. People taught us how to play the game. It's like, okay, you need to get impressions on your profile. You need to reply to big accounts because that gets impressions on your profile. You need to optimize your profile. So when people click on it, they follow you. You need to produce good content. You need a DJ in front of the crowd. Uh, You need to kind of form your thoughts to that game, right? Because platitudes, they just work, right? Platitudes work for growth. And if you're not cool with that, then you're going to grow a lot slower or not at all. And then, of course, like we both know you have to have different kinds of tweets, like authority tweets to actually balance out those platitudes. Yeah. But that's really it, man. That's that's like all anything is. I've been learning about this recently. It's been fun to learn about how everything's a game. And once you learn the rules and like how you can break the rules or how you can kind of accelerate, like you can take a little potion to give you that boost forward like paid promotions or paid ads or something like yeah. that, then that's where every that's where it all goes. And I, I could talk about this forever. That's why I want to there's, there's a good <laughs> book around it. You've probably heard about it. Uh, Finite and Infinite Games by James P. Carcer. Really? It's, it's, yeah, I have it's, not it's, heard about that. It's, it is a, one of the, I think it's a, one of the cornerstones of game theory books. It's I, I've got, it's a short book. Uh, it's, it's difficult to read. In a sense that it's written in a very, it's written in a language that when you're first started reading it, you're like, "Am I reading gobbledygook? What am I reading here?" Uh, and it takes you a while to <laughs> I get like you that kind of Yeah, yeah. It, and but I read it, and it talks about the finite games and infinite games in life, and you know there are certain infinite games like uh, life or creation. The universe is infinite. It's infinite. I just smacked my head from there. It's uh, it <laughs> infinite. But like a game of soccer or um, you know, a, a, a game of chess is finite because there's a set set of rules and there's a set how, mm-hmm. how it works. And then you can influence that with your experiences. But like the game of business or commerce, that's an infinite game because there's, as long as there's humans, as long as there's people who can trade, business is always going to be there. But then within that, we have finite things like companies are finite. There's, you know, maybe a company that's been around since the dawn of time. There isn't one. So, you know, they, they, there's a certain time frame to things so it's a really interesting book because i i i always think about you know you get your energy thinking about the infinite and then you apply that energy in the finite so you don't you don't start and i think sometimes when my energy's off or i'm not doing well is that i'm i'm in the finite and i'm thinking finite like that scarcity like, like I, I can't i'm inside the box and then sometimes i need to get out of the box and think infinite and that big vision and that view from the balcony that the, the, the bigger picture of life and then you take that energy and then you put it into the game uh, and, and that's kind of how I try to regulate myself by thinking about those two types of games wow I, I'm going to read that book because that sounds right up my alley right now that's the I one thing that I'm it. interested in yeah that'd be really fun but uh, going into our last two I'd say two questions I have one before the last one that we ask everyone but the first question is what where do you see success theory? Do you have a vision for where you want it to go? The projects you want to launch like on let's say a 10-year time scale. Where do you see it? Like describe it to me. My vision for it is for it to be something that my name would disconnect from it. 
Like I, I look at someone like uh, Tom Bellew and his impact theory. And I look yeah. at the idea behind success theory. And I'm like, I don't see why success theory can't be like, I'm, am I going to say I'm going to reach that heights? No, I, I don't know. Infinitely. Yeah, of course I am. You know, if you go totally into like <laughs> self-belief, uh, but it's this idea of, of, of it being something that is not necessarily me not being the face of it anymore kind of thing like you know is it something that i can build that i could sell is it something that i could detach from at some point you know does it always have to be me and that's something that i've been thinking about you know where do you go from here you build it into like at the moment i'm doing one-on-one coaching i want to do group coaching i've thought about doing uh, communities like like you and you and joey have of modern mastery which is an awesome community bt dubs uh and, I, and that's kind of where I want to go. But initially, what I love doing is I love coaching people. I really enjoy that process. So at the moment, in my part of my journey, I just want to, I want to focus on that, get into group coaching and, and, and take it from there. Also, I want to try to build bigger courses, not Gumroad yeah. courses, like actual bigger courses, like professional with the right camera, like the YouTube standard, like high, good camera, good lighting, good content, good worksheets. And that's where I want to go. And that's kind of the other thing where I want to see in like a five year or 10 year plan is to actually have those bigger ticket um, one-on-one coaching offers, having that bigger ticket course, you know, having a, a really solid course that, that helps people. And, and that's where I want to go. Now, have I got that written out as a clear vision yet for my 10 years? No, but my vibe really within a five-year period that's kind of what i've been thinking is to get to that is to get to those higher ticket offers where like i'm i'm able to like charge those bigger ticket i also personally i would love 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 to do some uh speaking i would love to do some live events workshops stuff like that Um, it's something that i did in my corporate environment where i had a microphone in my hand in front of 200 people going through slide decks and breakout sessions in the different rooms and going to help and sitting down with tables and helping people with concepts and stuff with new processes. Just the energy you get from that is just brilliant. And I've only experienced that working for somebody else. And I'd love to experience it working for working either for myself or with a collective of people, you know, with a product or within an event sort of style. I'd love to get into that kind of event stuff. So it's it, that those are kind of on my horizon of, of things that I want to do with success theory. Nice. We're, we're on a very similar wavelength. Like there's a lot of similarities in our brand. Uh, but it's the same thing with modern mastery is like, I'll, I'm, I'm cool with being the face of the brand for a bit. Um, maybe like forever, but that's the thing is a lot of people think that like coaching, consulting, even I, I wouldn't say digital products, mostly coaching and consulting, like that can be outsourced. You can build a team for that. It's just like an agency. It's just consulting and coaching. It's done with you instead of done for you. And so doing that under success theory or under modern mastery, it seems like the move. And I was talking with Joey and actually Justin Scott, who is refusing to come on a podcast with me until he gets his keys out, but I I need to get him on the podcast. He, we want to do like a retreat eventually where it just be like super intensive like group of 10 dudes we go to some offshore country and just have a fucking amazing time yeah have like our business dinners and possibly party a bit and just have like (laughs) a very good time have everything structured and that that just seems so cool to me and yeah 
it's crazy that this is a possibility for us. Like we know it's possible. We, as you said, like the infinite self-belief, like, I don't know if infinite's there, as you said, but like, we know we can make that happen. It's just a matter of like taking the right steps, pivoting along the way and just fucking making it happen. So I love that. I really like that. And it's exciting to think about the stuff that you can do I know. from a Twitter, it, from a Twitter account. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> I cool. I know. <laughs> it is pretty cool. It's, it's insane. Uh, I had another thing, but we'll, we'll dive into the last question because I'll just go straight into the question. What are you struggling with right now the most in life or business? And being the personal development dudes that we are, what are you doing to change that? Uh, can I give you two answers to that? Yes. Okay. So first answer, personally, emotionally, I am dealing with mental blockages and emotional stuff that I think is stopping me from succeeding at higher levels. I think there's some limiting beliefs in there that are that are stopping me. This is where you talk about starting your own business is, is personal development in disguise or whatever it is. You know, a man will start a business and, and go into debt rather than go to see a therapist, whatever the tweet is, you know, it, it, <laughs> it, you know, um, so I'm dealing with that currently because I really feel like I'm, there's something there that I need to deal with. I, and it's highlighted since I've left my corporate role and I'm doing stuff on my own. I feel like my, sometimes my vibe and my energy's off and I'm, I'm, Hitting, hitting myself up against a brick wall two or three times. But yeah, I'm not taking my own advice of being like, hold on a second. You know, you take a step back, journal on the emotions, reflect on what's going on, read some books that can help you, and, and then come at, come at the situation tooled up differently with, uh, with, with um, better skills. Because the skills and abilities that got us here are not the skills and abilities that are going to get us to where we're going. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the times people get trapped in that role of like, well, I've got all these skills and abilities, I should be there already. Well, forgetting the fact that, yeah, your skills and abilities are great, but this is a different and new challenge that you need to learn new and different things for. Uh, and sometimes we template on our previous experiences, on the new experiences, and then we wonder why things aren't working. It's because they're not meant to, you're meant to change. Uh, so I'm currently dealing with that. In my business, which I was discussing with you before we started recording, is it's clients. I, I had a great July and August. Like I was like, wait, uh, everything was like <laughs> killing it. I, I, I did some content. It really worked, resonated with people, got people on calls, but clients, but I am like most business people, you, you, you're, I'm struggling with that repetitive business, that, that repetitive, that like almost on autopilot of, of client acquisition. And at the moment mm -hmm. I'm, I'm knee deep in courses. I'm knee deep in reading books. I'm knee deep in talking to people like you. I'm like, I need to figure this out. And I feel like both the things I'm struggling with, I feel like they're connected somehow. That there's a there's a, an emotional uh, limiting belief or a barrier that I need to deal with. And then there's the, the, the systems processes that I need to do to, to really scale my business. And I feel like one of them is going to help the other one. And I'm probably going to bet that it's the emotional stuff that I'm trying to work out that's going to help me. But that's me currently, what I'm dealing with. Uh, in, in in my life and and the, the way i deal with things is study practice teach i study something i practice it <laughs> and then i'll teach people full circle full the, circle the entire podcast just went full circle i love that <laughs> cool man yeah and I, i'm i'm sure i'll definitely be helping you after this with that or at least like some advice 
on the business side, but that it, it's always the same for me too. It's, it's really all like a mental game, yeah. but because once you like overcome those barriers and you get that mental clarity, or at least like your mind is clear, you have that next breakthrough. Like the idea just fucking comes to you. Like your subconscious bursts the idea yeah. because you've been like going through the ringer and then you finally hit that point where it's like, Oh, yep, this is what I have to do. And then you do it and it works. And then it kind of takes over from there and then you hit a new level and that's your baseline. And then after that, it just keeps going up and up and up. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it is, man. But that was the last question. I really appreciate you coming on. This was a great conversation too. I really enjoyed this one. It's so, it's so cool to hear different people's perspectives. And I don't mean to like toot my own horn, but having that question at the beginning, the life philosophy and just letting that lead. Like that's my entire way of running the podcast. Like I have some notes, but it all flows off of that. So it's so cool to see that almost everyone's life philosophy is the same. It's just minor differences, but then the conversation goes in so many different ways. It's just really cool to see, man. I'm having like a (laughs) a mental, yeah, I, I enjoy it, but I, I always try to catch them and you put them on YouTube. But I've even thought about doing my own recently, uh, success theory. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm going to look into it. And I'm probably going to not probably I hate, use language like that. I hate that when I, I there we go again. <laughs> I use two words I don't like using: hate and probably. I just I caught myself going into my. You know, <laughs> I, I wanted to do one where I just like book time of people start with people who I know on Twitter and talk about people's like you basically what you've done with me is like people talk about with people's success series like what what is your what's been your yeah. path to success and and that kind of aligns with my with my with my timeline and with my stuff but yeah man it, it was absolutely amazing being on here I love the conversation it's it was a great chatting and lots lot, we discussed lots of cool stuff we did yeah I'm excited to get it out but I have nothing else to say. So thank you again, man. Uh, And to all the listeners, thank you for listening. And we'll see you in the next one. My friends, thank you so much for listening to that episode of the Modern Mastery Podcast. I have a few favors to ask you. For a whopping $0.00, You can support this podcast by following, rating, and subscribing on whatever platform you are listening on. And for an additional zero (laughs) dollars, you can share this podcast on your social media accounts. Tag me in it at the Dan Co. And I will share you on the community page. This truly helps the Modern Mastery community and podcast grow and allows me to bring you top tier guests to fuel your hunger for wisdom. It costs zero dollars, but It does cost you your time, and we understand how valuable that can be. But considering you spent an hour or so listening to this podcast, a one-minute subscribe or follow button click and social media share isn't too much to ask. And if you truly enjoyed it, um, we would hope that you do this out of the kindness of your heart. And we truly, we truly, truly, truly appreciate it. And the second favor, which costs money, is joining Modern Mastery HQ. The only platform you need to master your mind, body, and spirit while building a 5 to 10K 
a month online business as a creator, coach, freelancer, or entrepreneur. You can go to join.modernmastery.co to join 350 plus members and gain instant access to information that has the potential of making you hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime as a business owner. With that, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Modern Mastery Podcast, and I hope to see you in the next one. Peace.